elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 419 of An Elegant Weapon. My name is J.M. Clark. I am your host, and I am very excited to be one episode away from episode 420 of An Elegant Weapon. Oh yeah, we got a good one coming at you, kids. This episode, though, also something very, very special. I recently attended an event in Toronto. It was a Star Wars collector's event. It was uh, thrown by the Ontario Collectors Alliance, of which a very, very old and dear friend of mine, Toby Black, is one of the founders and organizers, and he helped put this event together along with his cohorts. It was uh, basically a very small, intimate, uh, you know, panel-focused event uh, for Star Wars collectors, uh, retro and Canadian retro in particular, um, but retro all around. It was uh, some amazing, amazing things to be seen. Uh, so it was a cool little event, as I said. It centered around panels uh, for most of the day. Some really cool guests that they brought in. They brought in George Irwin, who was the CEO of Irwin Toys, which was the company producing Kenner's Star Wars line for Canada at the time, uh, and he had very, very cool insights uh, as to what went down throughout that history. Also, Brenda Young, who worked with him, he was a translator at Irwin Toy, Kenner Canada. She had to deal with all the English to French translations and in, in the packaging, uh, which all comes around now uh, to be a very important aspect to Canadian retro Star Wars toy collecting is all this French packaging and all the different packaging available and where and when it came from. And I learned all about 20 backs and 21 backs, and I had no idea what was going on until I figured it out. But I'm glad that I did, because I learned an immense amount of about a very, very cool subject this weekend. Uh, so that was cool to hear about uh, Kenner Canada and Irwin Toy back in the day uh, and their involvement in the Star Wars phenomenon. Um, also guests were Stephen Geddes, who was a sculptor for Kenner. He actually designed the original Dagobah playset in which he had hidden uh, his daughters and I think, I believe, his wife's name. So when he signs those, he just traces that part of the playset. It's very, very cool. But he was a very nice guy, and he was there, and he's actually sculpting at the table. It was a cool process to watch. Um, if you have seen the toys that made us, if you've watched the Star Wars episode, you'll maybe be familiar with Jim Swearingen. He is the principal conceptual designer for Kenner back in the day. He was uh, one of the main, if not the main product designer for your favorite Star Wars toys. So his insights are absolutely amazing. And he did a whole presentation that was very, very cool. Um, and he had like a, you know, slides already and all this cool stuff. So that was rad. So those were basically the panels. One was Jim Swearingen, then one was Jim and Steven, uh, then there was George and Brenda, but they also had Jim McCallum and Scott Bradley, who are two hardcore Canadian collectors. Um, Jim McCallum is actually the author of Irwin Toys, the Canadian Star Wars Connection, and Scott Bradley is the creator of the Canadian Star Wars Gallery. So these guys are kind of about as hardcore as it gets, and their panel was phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed their insights into the whole community. Um, yeah, so again, lots of cool panels, lots of cool people, lots of cool conversation. Uh, I had a fantastic day. Uh, if you're into this kind of thing at all, whether you're into toys or just Star Wars or uh, interesting people, uh, this day filled all those requirements. Um, yeah, 
so I had a really fun day. And also had a chance to sit down with Mr. Jim Swearing Jim himself. So uh, that's what I got for you this week. Uh, next year, if they throw this event again, and I'm pretty sure that they will, this was the first time that they did this, uh, So, which can also always be exciting and intimidating. Um, but you learn, and then you do it again, and every year it gets a little easier. So hopefully uh, we get to do this party again next year because I had a lot of fun and I met a lot of cool people. A lot of cool people came all the way from the States for this. Uh, it's neat. They're, they were the hardcores. It's, it's fun to be around hardcores of anything, especially when it's Star Wars and when it's toys. Uh, so Toby and all those involved, thank you so much for throwing such a fun party. Um, yeah, as I said, I got to sit down, I got to talk to Jim Swearingen for a little bit and have a really fun conversation about, uh, you know, nostalgia and, uh, the toys that made us and that experience and the whole damn thing. So this was an honor and a privilege to get to have a chat with this man who had such an indelible impression upon our childhoods. He created the things that were in our hands that were sparking our imaginations. Um, yeah, so again, very cool to meet him. Uh, there you go. One more episode coming. Next episode. Oh, it's exciting. I don't want people to be waiting for this one. See what I do. I did some fun stuff with a very, very special shout out at the beginning of next week's show. Uh, yeah. There you go, kids. Jim Swearingen and I having a conversation at May the North Be With You, a fantastic Star Wars collector's event that happened in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. So next year, please, everybody, come on out and uh, let's grow this thing and uh, have a good time. I don't know how they're going to top these guests. That's pretty crazy. But uh, there you go. Please, kids, enjoy my conversation with Mr. Jim Swearingen. I'm so lucky to be sitting here with original Kenner, production designer, the man himself, Mr. Jim Swearingen. Thank you so much for coming out today, sir. No, oh, you're welcome. I've uh, had a good time. It's a, a great time. I, I love the events these guys throw. They're also nice and intimate and, and interesting. Um, and to have you out here is a pleasure. Um, the Toys That Made Us. <laughs> what an amazing series. Yeah. Uh, big hit series, especially yes. people among my generation. Mm -hmm. uh, just takes us all back, and it was so well done as well. Like, oh, they yeah. just, the, there's so much fun to that show. Uh, was it as much fun filming it and being as interviewed and as involved? Yeah, it was, it was a really good time. We got to uh, kind of reminisce. Uh, Corky Steiner and I did a couple of interviews together walking through the Kroger building and kind of reminiscing about the old days and touring the basement, the sub-basement of the Kroger building, <clears throat> which has been returned to a parking lot, but at one right. time housed model makers and pattern shop and all the sample people that uh, made uh, all the toys for Kenner back in the old days. Right. So it was well, fun. Uh, I was asking George earlier about the environment in the Hannah building for Irwin Toys back in the day. What was the environment like at Kenner? I know we got a good idea that it was fun and creative, but but what was the daily atmosphere? Was it exciting, or just were you all at work? Well, uh, the toy business uh, is different in that every year, 50% of your toy line has to be new. Right. So everything, it's never, you're just never selling one thing over and over again. So the creative people are always coming up with new ideas, so it keeps the place pretty lively. 
And the management, and uh, like we were talking today about Bernie Loomis, he created an atmosphere where the exchange of ideas in all areas was pretty lively. We, you know, the creative people on the toy end of it were designing toys or coming up with things like Stretch Armstrong or coming up with a new material uh, to to go alongside Play-Doh and stuff. So, there's, okay. you know, we had chemists, we had uh, engineers, we had materials people that knew what, you know, new materials would come in. So it was always something different, which it makes for a, a kind of stimulating right. environment. So uh, it, I was fortunate enough to be in an area that was not profit-oriented and more creative-oriented. So right. We we got to play most of the time. It's amazing, and uh, <laughs> and I think like Irwin, um, it was a there were it was more not exactly family, but you know everybody, right? And uh, uh, earlier today, when I looked at the picture of the people that I worked with in preliminary design, and again, it caught me a little. You know, it's like you know realizing that half of them. The people back in nineteen in the seventies, that half of them had already passed. Right. Um, some of them considerably older than I was when we get started, but it, it takes you. You know, it's kind of like bittersweet thinking about uh, the old days, but right. But uh, the legacy it, that they've left behind. Oh yeah. Right. Like, and you kind of connect those people with what they did, what they contributed, and. Uh, how we worked together, you know, and you can re- you know, reminisce about uh, the quirks that people had. Um, <laughs> there was a guy, an engineer. His name was George Giordano, and he was the worst dresser. <laughs> and in that picture, in the picture that I have in my presentation, he's got a plaid shirt and striped pants or something, and it's just, it, and he was always, he was always. Uh, trying to get you know talk the pro- the uh, cost engineers to take the price down. It's like, come on, <laughs> you can do it. You know, we can. It's not that expensive and stuff. But that kind of you know. Yeah, you remember, you remember all the those kind of things and things. Yeah, I liked hearing about about because uh, it came up a few times, and I re- I remember you talking about it on the show was the sharing of molds, uh, molds going from Australia to Canada to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and back again, which is very cool. That it almost seems like. There was such a demand that there was this big team effort. And yes. I know it comes down to profit and everybody wanted the companies to work, but it still seems like there was this big team effort to get all these toys not only out to America but to the whole world. Yeah, I, it, it, to some extent. Uh, when I was talking to George Irwin yesterday, um, he kind of, he, we talked about sharing things, sharing the molds and, and that kind of stuff. And he's, Said that uh, he kind of let, he kind of remembered that sometimes Kenner didn't share quite as much as they'd like. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah we did, it was a con, you know a uh, an effort for you know to make the best of Star Wars, no matter what country it was in. Right. So, do I remember you on the show actually specifically mentioning a certain Canadian mold? that you had brought down to help out or maybe vice versa i I feel like i remember remember that but uh it it makes me wonder if canadian molds were ever used in the states i wouldn't be surprised would that mean that 
there was some American kid who opened their American box, bought in an American store, and pulled out a Star Wars toy with a Toronto stamp on it. It could be. That's kind of cool. It could be. You know, it just shows, like, the interaction yeah. of everything. I'm that, finding that needle in that haystack would be kind of difficult. Well, it must be possible. It must be weird for you to think about how not only did Star Wars change the whole toy industry as far as how toys were looked at and how they were marketed with movies but the influences on every toy that came afterwards because as you know three and three quarter uh, got to a point and talking earlier about how trying to just wipe G.I. Joe off the map (laughs) but then around 1985 or so G.I. Joe comes out with these insanely articulated three and three quarter which obviously you know wouldn't have happened if you guys hadn't done it with the Star Wars toys now all action figures are that way it's kind of feel weird to have changed a whole industry like that yeah it's it was yeah when you look back it's pretty amazing that uh have a, a little bit to do with what happened to the whole toy business and the, to some extent the movie business. Between George Lucas and Kenner Toys, there was a lot that changed. Yeah. You know, every every uh, movie that comes out, the uh, designers have been working on it for months, if not years. Probably since the start of the movie. Yeah, right? so yeah. Um, we, we were at a disadvantage because... The movie was well into production, and we were doing catch-up, but right. it made for a very uh, busy place. Right. Well, so. nowadays, toys are a main uh, source of spoilers. Yeah. Like, often we find out what a new costume on a new character is going to look like because the toy's out before the movie's even, you know, almost yeah. heard of sometimes. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a strange thing. Yeah. In the beginning, George was very jealous about things like he didn't want any of the secrets to get out. Right. That's why I worked on Boba Fett. Because <clears throat> they could have just turned Boba Fett over to a production engineering group. Right. And the designers could have designed him. Um, but they wanted it to be secret for a reasonably long time. So that's why I came back into preliminary design. Because we were kind of a, we were not an open studio. And oh, okay. you couldn't get into preliminary design, just wander through. And we didn't have, uh, so we had a little more security than other areas. So that's why it ended up back on my desk. And luckily for me, it was right. I got to do the trip out to see him and be in on the secret. And that figure was used more than it would have been regular production figure. How does that feel, the whole... Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but like the whole legend around Boba Fett toys, yeah. you know, having the rocket propel. It's just, there's so much urban myth and rumor all around yeah. the Boba Fett it's toys. A, and yeah, it was, it was it really, what being in on that stuff is really, you know, really fun. Looking back, now I've met, I've met a num- quite a few, not all of them, but uh, quite a few of the Boba Fett characters. Yeah. The actors, the, right, them. right. So, um, it, so that's you know. So I have a connection with all of those people, right? And I've said, I've sat, I've been on panels with them and heard stories about you know their different things. But yeah, it's it's pretty special to was, be part of it. Um, when you with the picture we saw of you when you were first seeing with George the Boba Fett costume mm-hmm. and the outfit, getting your you know. Waste the design. Yep. Had the holiday special come out yet then? Had anyone laid eyes on Boba Fett? Yes. Like, yes. I think 
I'm trying to think. We're, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. I think okay. it had. I think, I think the special came out because Boba Fett in that case was an animated character. Right. They didn't show the, and it was a different character, slightly different style than than the one we saw. And he had been in a parade before we saw him. Oh, really? And they didn't. Nobody. I mean, that might have been on the show. Sorry, yeah, go on. It, yeah. yeah, it's 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 been on the. Uh, there's a story on Disney Plus about Boba Fett, and you know when, when he was white, and then he was not. You know, then it was not. Right. He was co- the costume was colored, right. and he was in a parade. All that happened, I think, before we did okay. anything on it. But they didn't tell anybody it was Boba Fett. It was just this character. This costume walking down the street with right. Darth Vader what, what and stuff. That? That's a way to build up, you know, hype. For yeah, sure. yeah, that's great. Did you? Was it the Tauntaun that was the last Star Wars thing you said? Yeah, you pretty much on? the last thing I worked on. Okay, and then you had moved on before Jedi. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, when, seventy-nine and a half. I left the design area and went into marketing. Right. So. When Jedi came out, was it any, oh, I wish I'd gotten to work on that or anything I like that? I think I was too busy All right. oh, to, to worry even about think it. about it, oh, eh? Yeah. This is actually my but personal After getting, you know, being kind of the push-off, <laughs> exactly. um, Star Wars didn't need uh, all that much help. And there were lots of people willing to play with it. So right. I, I, I don't regret not being on it you know right. there's a guy named Mark Boudreau who's just recently retired that worked on every Millennium Falcon oh wow that's and, um, cool he started as a co-op in our department uh, 19 I think it may have been late 77 and he worked on the very first Millennium Falcon that's amazing so he was the as far as connection with Star Wars he was the person from Kenner that had the longest went all the way through eh? that's amazing I was lucky enough a few years ago to have dinner with uh, Roger Christensen was Roger Christian or Christensen I apologize Roger he was the uh, first guy hired to work on Star Wars and he was on the Academy Award winning team for just the original designs he built the first R2 uh, and he told me all about the story of building the first lightsaber Yeah. and uh, George had like described you know this is what I want it to look like so he went to a buddy's just junk shop in uh, in England and his buddy had a box of the Graflex camera handles and he said he just went around the shop started took it all home and started gluing junk together and it just you know your story that story I I love hearing them because it just the the beginning days when you guys were doing something so magical but really didn't know what it was going to turn into right it was was. yeah and I yeah I had the pleasure of being there first so it was yeah it was pretty fun and how are you enjoying this now getting to go around and meet all these fans did you ever expect this to happen no well, I never expected much of anything, but um, yeah, it's fun. I, I meet a lot of people, and I meet a lot of actors and people that have done different things. You know, so yeah, it's fun, and I've managed to travel some with it. 
Oh, I'm kind great, of a different right? guest. I, I'm a, kind of a different yeah. guest. So I, no, I, uh, I go mostly to places like yeah, this where there's lots of toy collectors, right? And people that have, that love the toys almost as much as the, maybe even more. Some of them. These guys are the crazy. Movie. These guys, like, like I'm a big Star Wars guy. I'm a, I collect uh, lightsabers. Mm-hmm. So I have a some retro ones, some old school ones. Yeah. I have the Droids '85, uh, one still in box back in the day. Um, so I'm pretty straightforward, but you know, uh, these guys, it's amazing how hardcore these collectors get, like just going into the nittiest, grittiest details <laughs> of every release of everything. Does that amaze you? Yeah. 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 I can. I, I get lost when I listen to the questions that yeah. they ask people. It's like, I, I, you know, they, they know more about things than I do than the stuff that I worked on. So. Was there a time you kind of felt this retro thing coming? Was there any time that you realized people are starting to collect our old stuff and take it pretty seriously? Uh, yeah. Maybe well, 90s-ish? Or? Yeah, once the first three movies were over, were out, the four, five, and six, and they were still looking for Star Wars toys. It was pretty evident that collectors were coming back and right and coming, you know, you see now you see three or f- three generations of people going to events. Yeah. You know, there's da- there's granddad and then his son and his son's son. And that's pretty yeah. And even moms and stuff. It, having whole families come dressed to events like the celebration yeah it's amazing it is such a family thing now I've got all those lightsabers I mentioned are all on display on my wall and yeah. my kid can't keep his hands off them right? I make sure that the important ones are real yeah. high up right yeah. so uh, Jim thank you so much not only for taking these few minutes but for your contribution to our childhoods and our, our memories and our nostalgic uh, wealth, um, because we can't appreciate it enough. This is what makes us happy, and thank you for giving us these things or being part of what gave us these things. Welcome. Very enjoy cool. talking to people. Very cool, kids. If you haven't seen it, you're crazy. But check out the toys that made us the Star Wars episode. Check them all out. It's such an amazing show. Uh, but it, it's very cool because there's some recreations. One in particular I love that you said was dead on when you first got introduced yeah. and they brought you around. You know the set. That's amazing. There are people that think that's me. Oh really? That's yeah. how well they did. Yeah. <laughs> people. I when I first saw the uh, the show and saw the introduction, I got to the point where the fellow playing Charlie Lippincott says oh that's Carrie Fisher that's uh, Debbie Randall's daughter she's going to play the princess and I suddenly realized that oh this they had told me they were doing a reenactment but I didn't realize that they were going to hire de- actors to play the right. pe- to play me, which is pretty weird. <laughs> Did you ever meet the actor? Or? I've not met him, but we're friends on Facebook. Oh, that's cool. At least there's a connection there. He right? was, uh, yeah, he's he was uh, living in L.A. when I first we first made contact on Facebook. And then he was selling everything he owned to move to London and take acting classes. And then he moved back. He did that for a couple of years. And then he came back, uh, just had moved to, back to New York to start his acting career again. And COVID hit. Oh. So he was in New York in lockdown. And the first thing he did was... Uh, Treasure Island outdoor theater somewhere in okay. New York. 
so I think he's doing okay now. Yeah, he's doing all right. Well, even all the old kids from all the old commercials are starting to get known. Yes. And yes. they're going to start doing shows. Kids who were on the boxes, yep. you know, who held the toys back then. And the one photo shoot when they were a kid, and now they're at conventions, yeah, and everybody wants that. to meet the, them. Yeah. The guy that's <laughs> on amazing. the Death Star. Right. It's yeah. incredible. Jim, thank you You're so welcome. much. You're welcome. Kids, Jim Swearingen. <laughs>